Good morning and welcome to the Social Collectives Podcast. We are now on episode 22. Yay! <laughs> and today we have an amazing surprise guest. <laughs> Alina Gardizi was like, oh, there's a surprise guest. And I thought, oh, Lord. <laughs> what oh, am Lord. I getting myself into? <laughs> but no, it's our wonderful friend Mercedes Taylor with Coldwell Banker Commercial Elite. So thank you for being here, Mercedes. I'm excited to be here, and I was shocked to find out that it actually was a secret that was kept, because I, I, I know you, and I know you don't like surprises, and uh, Alina said that she actually was able to keep it quiet, so you were genuinely shocked when you came in. I was genuinely shocked, and the funny thing was, I thought, oh, Alina doesn't have anybody. She's <laughs> scrambling. That's her minute. surprise. <laughs> Anyway, so thank you for being here. And we have Aaron Sefchik with Bach to Rock, and Hello. he's our Hello. podcast guru. He's sitting in for Leslie Racino. She's super busy slammed with all her local SEO business. And then we have our beautiful friend, Alina Gardizi, Yay. the owner of An Empire of Great Escapes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm excited. And the only reason I didn't ruin the surprise, by the way, is because I haven't seen Lisa in the past three days. Otherwise, it would have all been over. Which is really weird. It is. It's because my kid was home yesterday. Well, we were. We saw each other at Bluemont Station. Yeah, but I didn't have Mercedes then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what, what we're going to do is I wanted to ask Mercedes now that you're here. It's perfect timing because David and I are looking for a commercial space for our plumbing company. So I just mentioned FlexSpace. I really wasn't sure what that is. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what FlexSpace is? Sure. So FlexSpace, um, I mean, there's industrial, which I, I think people have a certain image of what industrial is. FlexSpace, it's a combination, basically. So you're talking oftentimes warehouse space with maybe office as part of it or oh. with retail as part of it or the building itself is multi-use where some of it might be more you know industrial and warehouse but you have the office that's on the top so it's kind of like your multi-function space dual purpose, okay. dual purpose space yeah. yeah so that's it's like the mullet of commercial <laughs> <laughs> i like this i like yeah. where this is going <laughs> All right. Oh, so it's party in the party in the front. And, no, wait, party in the back. Business in the front. Well, you, you never know. You never know. It could be. It could be that way, or, or on top and on bottom. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe mullet isn't the best analogy, but I just wanted to say mullet. <laughs> okay. So for the trades, is flex space like the ideal? Is that what everybody's looking for? Generally, yeah. And it's hard to find. That's the thing that people are pretty surprised about, and and I think is a shame. I have so many businesses coming to me that are looking to take the next level or they're looking to expand. And that kind of space is hard to find because there just isn't that much of it because of all kinds of zoning restrictions. So the needs are everything from storage, a loading dock in many cases, or a roll-up door. And then there's the parking. Many of these businesses have fleet vehicles that they need to park, which is a whole challenge unto itself because normally it's your retail or office space that has higher ratios for parking per 1,000 square feet of space that you that you lease or own. Those ratios are smaller when you're dealing with your industrial or flex space. So when you're dealing with a bunch of vehicles, let's say you're an auto repair place or you have a bunch of fleet vehicles, you're a cleaning company and you have 15 vehicles, it's a real challenge. Yeah, I see that. I see a lot of fleet vehicles for cleaning companies, and they're parked out in the parking lot. So if you had a storefront like in a strip mall or something like that or an industrial complex, then they just park – you just get a certain amount of designated parking spaces for your – company vehicles or something? That That's a great question. So, I mean, everything and anything is negotiable in uh, commercial. And let's say using that, what you just mentioned, and it's it's more retail, it, it may or may not be something that they allow, depending on how many vehicles there are, because it could be pushing the ratio. It might not be a nice look to have a whole bunch of fleet vehicles parked out in front. Mm -hmm. So, it depends on the deal, how much they want you essentially, and how much you might be imposing upon the other tenants that it might make it harder for them to retain or attract new tenants. Yeah. 
Well, that's very interesting. So I've got you on the hunt for some commercial space, <laughs> flex, I guess. <laughs> David and I really want to purchase the property because I hate renting. Yeah. But it's just been so difficult, like you said, with zoning. My my dream is to have a main street house that has a big backyard that we can renovate to suit our truck needs. But I want it to be like a main street vibe and just kind of hang our sign out front. You know what I mean? The rocking chairs on the front porch. Right. Something that has turned like a, a piece of a neighborhood that has gone almost industrial or commercial or whatever. And that's just one of those houses on the corner there. Like that's my gold, golden goose there. I'm trying to find that. So going to that, how do you deal with clients that have <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, uh, she didn't even ask me if I wanted this assignment or not. Um, <laughs> she's like, you're going to be finding me this space. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, you bring up a really good point because there's what people really want and then there's reality on a number of levels. It's not just inventory. It's not just zoning issues, but of course we get into budget issues and other things that are unique about their business that makes it that much harder to find a space. Even stuff that seems plentiful. Let's take office space, for example. There's there's generally more inventory of that available. Once you narrow it down to the square footage that you want, and then let's say you're medical, and you're hoping to find a space that already is medical, that already has all that expensive plumbing that's in there. Once you try to find second-generation things, like second-generation medical, second-generation mm-hmm. restaurants, I mean, there's so much money that's already put into building those things, hair salons. Ideally, in a perfect world, you'd find something where someone else already dumped the money in and maybe, you know, for whatever reason, they've they've moved on. Hopefully, they're super successful, outgrew the space, and, and then you move in there. But it could be a challenge once you start to add all of your requirements. And that's part of my job, too, is the reality check on a number of levels where it's like, hey, that's great. But I mean, first off, I only get paid if I close a deal. And if I know that there's no way that I'm going to find them what they're looking for, it's a frank conversation that I have where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm, I don't see this, uni- I don't see finding this unicorn. And it might just be that you need to save up a little bit more money, or you might need to be a little bit more open in your, in your requirements. I remember You're hearing that a that. lot. <laughs> She needs a badge that says fact checker. <laughs> I agree. Well, you know, the, the other thing too is I think about this and, and I'm happy to be on this podcast, by the way, because I I really want to help small businesses and that's something that I'm very passionate about. I have seen the things that really work and don't work, you know, and being in the industry for 20 years. And, and one of the common things that I see are people who want to take that next step. Maybe they start out as a home business or, or whatnot, and they aren't approaching it in an organized way to ensure their success. Everything from not having a business plan. I, I mean, they, they really don't know what they don't know. They really haven't wrapped their arms around all of the costs that are going to be involved with having a brick and mortar. Their finances aren't in order. That's one of the early questions that I get from these you know, landlords. Um, show me the last two years of business financials. They're cash strapped. They don't have a safety net. They don't realize even just to get into a place that depending on how long their business has existed, it could be um, a one or two month security deposit, but then you're paying your first month in advance. You know that's upwards of three months of rent just to get in the door. Forget about if you need the rents ten thousand, twelve thousand mm-hmm. yes. dollars a month. Yes, depending on the square footage and how you know if they want it to be in the right zip code and whatnot. That's just to get in the door. So uh, many of them are cash strapped and they and they want to just hit the ground running and that's another part of the reality check that I do is I mean I I'll get paid no matter what but that's not the way I operate I want them to actually be successful. So in many cases, I have my clients do some homework first or hit the pause button because I don't want them going into this cash-strapped where they don't hit their numbers in the first couple months like they projected. And it, it could get bad very quickly with not hitting your rent payments. And the other thing that people don't realize that I want to mention is a lot of people believe that they can hide behind LLCs mm-hmm. and that they could then bail on their responsibilities 
but pretty much all of these landlords are requiring a personal guarantee, which means like if you don't pay oh, wow. your yes, if you don't pay your rent and something happens, guess what? They're coming after you personally. They're coming after you know your home and your assets. These landlords, I mean, I just they can ask for whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They can. And some of these property management groups are notorious for really taking advantage of some of the smaller businesses, in my opinion. These contracts are insane, and people are signing them. Well, that's why you need agents like her, because I remember she had our back on everything from a COVID clause, which hadn't even existed well, panda- before. Yeah, pandemic clause. Pandemic That's clause. right. It didn't even exist before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so you do need an agent that knows more than you and can represent you and that you can trust. Because I remember my husband coming to you and saying, okay, well, I don't want to risk losing my house one day if I, yeah. you know, our business fails and things like that. So you really do need sort of that mentor and someone that's going to say, okay, well, I can't promise you it's going to be okay, but we can put in situations to where it would be easier to manage. Right, right. It's it's all about having the, the backup plans and capping your liability. And that's a big part of what I do also. Personal guarantees, generally, you're not going to get around them unless you're some Fortune 500 company. They're going to make you sign it, but we could cap it. We could say, okay, well, the whole point is, and I can understand, the landlord doesn't want to be left holding the bag, that you skip out on rent, they paid the brokers, they gave you money for a build-out, and there they are sitting there empty-handed and then having to go after you and, and, mm-hmm. and maybe fight legally, and, and it's it's crazy. So it's kind of like a prenup, but... It's about making landlords right, not about having them take advantage of a situation that's already not so great when you've got a company that's not working out very well. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I do in many cases is I negotiate a one-year cap on that personal responsibility, on the personal guarantee that you might sign a five-year lease, but you're only on the hook for one year plus unamortized brokerage commission and the unamortized what we call tenant improvement dollars if they give you money for a build out and so that that lets So then the, you pay them back for that build out. Right, right. Well, not not all of it though. Like if you've been in the space let's say for 4 years on a 5-year lease, mm-hmm. you're not paying back that full amount because the landlord has benefited from you being there for 4 years. So you'd pay one fifth of it for example okay. to keep things simple. So that's that's where it's the unamortized brokerage commission and the TI dollars. So that's the kind of stuff. I mean, some of the stuff you can't get around, but it's having things in place where it's not going to be devastating. And, and, you know, like the pandemic clause, for example, some people, if they're even doing it, as you mentioned, it wasn't a thing that was done previously. They're making it specific to COVID. Well, what happens when it's not COVID? What happens when it's something else? What happens when your rent is due, but you weren't allowed to open up your doors or your capacity was reduced and you're only able to have, you know, half of your clientele come in and you're not hitting those numbers. It's not saying you don't pay, but that you can defer payments and make a reasonable payment plan. So if your doors are closed for three months, then you're not as you open up your doors, responsible for the three months past due and then your, you know, your next month rent. So a big part of what I do is is try to find ways to lower the liability for people so that they can operate in uncertain times, which we definitely are in right now. Right. You really need to have an experienced commercial realtor working for you for your commercial needs. It's totally different from residential. Thank you. You really want somebody who that is their focus. It is a different beast. You want somebody who can negotiate things that you may not even think about, like who's going to do snow removal if you have a shared driveway or a shared parking space. Who's taking out the dumpsters? Like who's in charge of that? Who's in charge of light replacement on the outside of the building? You know, things like that. There are so many things, especially if you have a shared space, that people don't think about who's going to be liable for that. Yes, yes. I've I've seen the carnage over the years of the people that that didn't think about that kind of stuff. They weren't working with the right agent. I also strongly advise, in addition to working with someone like myself, still using a commercial real estate attorney because they bring a whole other bag of tricks and at a whole other level, you know, they look at things above and beyond what I do. And so you have a really great team that mm-hmm. is in in place. But to your point about specialization, mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't want a divorce attorney that generally specializes in estate planning. I mean, it, it's like that, or, you know, uh, you, you've got a foot problem and you're going to go to like a regular, you know, doctor. So specialization matters. And the sad thing is that legally we could do it. Like I could sell you a house 
just because I can doesn't mean I should. Like that's not the world right. that I'm regularly in. I don't have the resources and, and and bring to the table the same set of skills that my counterparts do on the residential side. On commercial, people don't know what they don't know. I'm still learning, you know, 20 years later and, and continuing to add to my, you know, toolbox things that I've picked up over the years. There's There's so many things that if you don't know to negotiate it for it, it could really harm a business. You're then all of a sudden responsible for replacing an HVAC that's super expensive or or no one else thought to help you with negotiating ex- exclusivity. You're a baker and you don't want another baker to be in the space right, right next to you competing and splitting the market with you. There's so many things. And, and unfortunately, whether it be somebody not having an agent or having the wrong agent, when you start dealing with these listing agents, they'll throw you a high-level proposal, and an inexperienced person will just respond to what they see. And uh, and there's going to be a big focus on the cost per square foot. Maybe they'll know about getting some build-out dollars, but the people that know what they're doing also know what we don't see on that proposal. And so we're adding stuff to it, like the pandemic clause, like the exclusivity. Um, in these retail spaces, they could literally, there's a relocation clause. They could pick you up and move you. You've done your beautiful build-out. You have the perfect space that you know is the prime location that everyone's going to see when they pull into the complex. But then they could literally pick you up and move you if one of these major anchors decides that they want to expand. And if you're not properly protected, I mean, sometimes you could remove the clause entirely, but at the very least, if you're not protected, that they have to right where you have lost money, that mm-hmm. th- that they have to give you a space that's comparable, that they have to make the build outs to what they were before. Like if you don't have that negotiated for, you can literally be picked up and moved and lose out on all the money that you put in. Wow. Have you seen that happen? Personally, I haven't, thankfully. I, I mean, because I mean, I've known negotiate to negotiate it for my people, but I've seen it happen. You know, I've I've, I've seen where it's a it's a thing for sure, uh, and that's incredibly well, painful. I mean, I, I'll yeah. tell you, recently when I was showing space to someone, the agent was talking about how if my client wanted the space that this barber shop occupied, that they could boot them out, and then I could we could take that space and the space next to it, and that they would punt them. To, to someone else, wow. to somewhere else in the center. So, I mean, these kind of conversations go on all the time behind the scenes, and 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 it could be any moment that the shoe drops for the small business saying, "Hey, guess what? Your barber shop is now on the other side of the center." Wow! 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 That's terrible to have these conversations about the life, somebody's passion, their business behind their back so frivolously. Just like throwing it out there like a bone. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I will say, I mean, because I, I work on both sides of the fence, that it's a lot of people paint the evil landlord kind of, you know, picture, but they've been burned a lot too. They've had many people that they've invested all kinds of money in that they really helped to try to position these businesses for success. And they've been bailed on and they've been left holding yeah, the bag. And that barbershop thing is evil. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a landlord. I have rental properties. And so it's not commercial, but we've been screwed over. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we've had people that were supposed to have one dog that had three pit bulls and it chewed up all the woodwork and the, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. We went out there on Christmas Eve to kind of like, what the heck is going on? Because it had been like five months and they were dodging us on rent. And they had a they had a U-Haul out there. They were loading up on Christmas Eve. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. So yeah, we get it. Um, but it also adds up, right? Like every time somebody screws you over more and more, you're like, okay, well, this is why the previous owner had rules in the first place. This is right. this is why you've got the 30, 50 page lease documents mm-hmm. with these experienced landlords that have really great attorneys that help to draft this stuff. But you're right. There is a tipping point where they go too far. And I've come across those leases, especially on the retail side. There was one that actually entitled the landlord, if the tenant were to sell their business during the time that they're in the center, that the landlord was entitled to 5% of their sale. Oh, my gosh. 
Wow. That's insane. Convenient. Yeah. I mean, obvious, obviously, you know, I saw that and I, and I took that out of there and, and they wow. had no problem. They didn't even push back because, I mean, they knew yeah. that that was something I that was, was, was going to get away with that. That was inappropriate. Um, but, but the thing is, is <laughs> so many suck. people that are not experienced, especially if they're not represented or underrepresented, they sign this thing. Like it's an Apple agreement that you just like, you know, that you just sign yep. without thinking. Yep. And what they don't realize is that the entire lease document, the entire lease document is negotiable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you'll never have it where it's perfect because it'll always be at the landlord's advantage because, I mean, you know, they, they have a lot of risks that's involved. It's their space. But you could balance things mm-hmm. for sure and then really hone in on the stuff that's specific to your business that are the greater risks to help mitigate those risks. Wow. See? That's why that's we amazing. Need- that's why we need commercial realtors who are seasoned, who know what they're doing, specifically doing commercial work. Right. You're not trying to sell houses. You're trying to sell commercial space. And that's your that's your lane. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have a, a story on that too. I mean, uh, on the to the point of a residential agent doing a commercial deal. I might have told you this story before, just you know, with you and I chatting, Lisa. But she went ahead and did it. I, I believe it was an office deal. She waits until the end to even talk about her commission, which is also a big no-no because we we literally, a lot of people don't realize this. It's not like MLS where we know what the commission is. We have to negotiate and have documents signed on the back end of what we're going to get on a particular deal. So this whole deal happens. And then the listing agent asked her what she wanted her commission to be and what she thought it should be. And she had said, I believe it was half of the first month's rent, which they happily gave her. I mean, she's used to that on the residential side. I believe that's like how they're typically paid. She, well, her brokerage was entitled to 3% of the entire lease value of the entire lease value. So they laughed all the way to the bank. She said that her broker was very upset to find out that this happened and that all this money was left on the table. But, But here's the thing that I think of being in the business. So she didn't know how to negotiate for herself and she and her brokerage got burned. This tenant signed a lease for several years. What are the things, what are the landmines in that lease? Because this person didn't even know how to negotiate for themselves. What are the problems that they're going to have? So, I mean, I'm a firm believer in specialization. I practice what I preach. You could see that I've never sold a home. You know, I could probably do it. Even when I bought a house, I did it through an agent and and sold a house, you know, in the time that I've been an agent because I Mm. truly believe that it's in everyone's best interest to stay in their lane. Yep. I see it all the time in all industries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see people who think they can do plumbing because they're a handyman. <laughs> and I'm like, or okay. Or electrician. Electrician. <laughs> or the husband's try it myself. Or, oh, my Yeah, gosh. people trying to do it themselves. I'm sure you kind of clean up the And then the, I'm the sure mess. you see it with the escape rooms. You mm. see people trying to get out of the out of this center. They're trying to trying to get out of bad traffic. They can't make it. They they need to go to the escape room. That's right. where that's, that's <laughs> you learn how to get out of things. I know. Practice, right? <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, well, I mean, I guess where this differs from an escape room is a big part of all this is not getting into something that's mm-hmm. not right in the first place. And sometimes one of the best things that you can do, and I tell my clients, is to walk away. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're seeing the best of the best with that landlord presenting the, the space and presenting themselves, and from the very beginning that they show that you don't matter, mm-hmm. that's a really big red flag. Mm-hmm. So earlier today, when you came here, you were telling us a story and I was like, oh my gosh, you have to tell the story on the podcast. You want to talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah, sure. I had a really great call that made my day on the way here. So I've been in the business for 20 years. I think it's about six years on the brokerage side. And I started out in another brokerage and, and I was like a few months in before this other woman started working there. And the thing about commercial is you have to learn a lot on your own. Like they don't do all the handholding that they do on residential where they pretty <laughs> much have the whole PowerPoint for you. You just put your picture in and, you know, your bio. I I mean, you really are just left to kind of figure things out. We don't have standard contracts and, and, you know, standard anything. And so we all kind of develop our own tools. Well, there was one guy that would kind of prey on the newbies where it's like, oh, I'm going to help you and I'm going to give you access to this and that, but he would want to share in their commission. And long story short, I just helped this woman because, I mean, I just went through this whole learning curve myself. I knew how hard it was and just frustrated 
frustrating and, and stressful. So I would just help her when she would have questions. I, I'd answer, you know, this is how I'd approach it and, and, you know, help her out. Well, the really exciting thing is, is, I mean, she just took off. She took off over the past couple of years. She has her broker's license. She's a, you know, CCIM, you know, uh, a certification, which is a high level certification for commercial. And she actually just told me that she beat out that guy, that she's got some <laughs> kind of like gold circle where she's among the top in sales beating that guy out. And she's like, thank you, Mercedes, you know, because you could have told me, you could have told me to pound sand. You could have made it difficult for me. You, you could have totally been a bee, but you actually rolled up your sleeves and you helped me. And I, you know, credit this to you. And so, you know, she felt like that was a win for both of us because neither of us were super impressed with this guy and this attitude that he had and the ego and the, and his, the way well, he would prey on people. Some, some people try to monetize everything. Yeah, they, they they will monetize advice. They'll monetize. I'm not talking about trained coaches. I'm talking about advice. Mm-hmm. You know, people will try to monetize every aspect that they can, and it's never a good idea, and it never pays. So that's probably what he was trying to do: just monetize his knowledge. Oh yeah, my, for my sure. My wife and I were having a discussion about how there are certain people who like to hoard information. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. strange how there are people who love to help. And then there are people who are like to hoard information and keep it to themselves. It's strange how. I saw that a lot in the corporate world, which yeah. I was so happy to get out of. But honestly, it's everywhere. I mean, mm. people are people. There's good people. There's not so good people. Um, some people feel like the only way that they can get ahead is to kind of push other people down or to make sure that that they're not nipping at their, you know, at their feet. Is it, what's the expression? Nipping, nipping at, at their heels. Nipping <laughs> at their heels. I, I'm terrible at expressions. Um, some people no, approach you're not. things that way. You're actually probably better yeah, than that. Water. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Every I, pot has a lid. Every pot has a lid. <laughs> Grab the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> one of the one of my it proudest sounds like Mercedes yes, talking. One of, one of my proudest things is the influence that I that I've had. Where where I'll, I think you just toss me oh, a bone. Circle back. Yeah, yeah. Circle back. I, I love when you start throwing out the business lingo in in random conversations. She uses and, it a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot. <laughs> especially circle back. Circleback's the best one ever. <laughs> I'm gonna circle back with you on that. Yeah, that yeah. means I'm not circling there's, back with you on that. There, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with buying a little time. You know, so some people also just dump it on you to try to put pressure on you to get that answer right away. And and you know, it, it's all part of negotiation and tactics, which is you know my everyday life. So it's like, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be put on the spot. I do have a funny story on that, actually. I, I did have a Shark Tank moment recently <laughs> while I was uh, in, in my job. So I was in this office. I, I've got to be careful because I, I, I don't want <laughs> I, gotta, <laughs> I don't want to disclose people or whatever, but I found this amusing. Um, there's, there's somebody that was interested in purchasing the office condo that was across the hall from him that was my listing. And Long story short, he tried to get an answer from my client on the spot. He's like, call her, call her now. And and I already knew, I mean, because I, I had a, another appointment where other parties were looking into it and they were interested that it would not be in her best interest to be, you know, put on the spot. And so if I did get her on the phone, I, I would have been like, hey, don't, you know, like, don't feel like you have to answer right away because we do have this other party. But it was a total shark tank moment where he was pressuring me. When I texted her and she didn't respond, he's like, well, call her, call her. But he was trying to pressure her mm-hmm. to to respond to his offer just like Shark Tank, you know, where it God God forbid you don't take the offer immediately even you before even, be- right. even before you yeah. even before you talk to the other sharks and find out what their offer is. That's what that guy was was doing. It was pretty, pretty I always I, I I just cannot stand to be pressured. Mm-hmm. You know, when people start to pressure me, I immediately say no. I don't care. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should have said yes. Maybe it was a good deal, but I'm not gonna say yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't work well under pressure like that. It, it kind of shows a lack of respect because, I, I mean, if you really do have a good deal, then you know if you even give somebody some time on it that they would come around mm-hmm. and they would accept that deal. When you pressure people, it's kind of because you don't want them to have the time to do research and find out whether yeah. or not yeah. that's the right move. Yeah, that's why I'm purchasing um, Tesla um, because oh, really? yeah. wait, so well, so I needed my investment money. You know, I had to work uh, for that. Yes. <laughs> so I got my investment money, but I love the way that Elon Musk doesn't sell stock. 
you know, people say to him, why should we purchase Tesla when Cadillac has this electric vehicle that's, you know, whatever. And he's like, then don't purchase Tesla. I'm not trying to sell you Tesla. I'm creating something that is going to be the most magnificent thing in the world. And it will be the best investment that anybody ever makes. However, do what you want with that. I'm <laughs> like, he's like, and so that's, he doesn't sell Tesla. It sells itself, you know, and that's, that's how, that's why I'm buying it. You're buying a Tesla? No, I'm or? buying stock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I thought you were buying the whole company. I know, I'm, like, I'm like, you've been holding no, out. I know, you're paying yeah. for lunch today. That's, that's I, can't, what I, thought. I cannot buy a Tesla because it doesn't make noise. <laughs> and I like the sound of a big engine. So I don't want to drive around silently. Sorry, <laughs> I want to be loud. <laughs> okay. I want a loud engine and I want a loud radio. So Tesla's not that. But they are going to be like a really great stock, I think, to purchase. Because did you see some of the stuff that they just came out with? I haven't, but um, I believe you. So Tesla? No, yeah, well, Tesla owns Neuralink. Right. So Neuralink um, is coming and boring and SpaceX and, well, is it SpaceX? Is SpaceX mm -hmm. separate? So anyway, but Neuralink now, they're saying it should be up and going in the next six months. And they're ready to put it in humans, but it can cure blindness. Oh my so gosh. if you were born blind... Like you've never seen anything in your life, you should be able to see. And if you have a severed spine or severed, that they can fix that. Wow. Yeah. So that they can create the the link that's been severed. And that that's just the start. And that's supposed to be up and running in six months. Oh my gosh. That that's amazing. Yeah. Um uh, it's truly amazing the stuff that they could do on the medical side. Um uh that seems like that would be a good investment in addition to uh, Tesla. Um, another good investment is actually commercial real estate, Lisa, <laughs> um, because, because it's actually it's a it's a it's a tangible it's it, it it's it's an asset you actually can see and touch and especially in this, and lick and smell. And, and lick, yeah. some, some, she keeps us on track. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying though, like real estate in general, whether uh -huh. it be residential or commercial well, in the like, DC but metro the, the area. The issue with your commercial real estate is. I want the golden goose <laughs> and you don't have it to give to me, but you do have possibly some flex space that I can rent. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the golden goose is also known as the, the unicorn. <laughs> and, uh, I, people have me chasing unicorns all, all the time or unicorn chaser. Yeah. Yeah. I got to oh, add gosh. that to my, uh, to my job description. I love this, but I also want to talk to you about something else. So not only are you the commercial real estate queen and you know what you're talking about, but you're one of the OGs of the social collective yes. and oh. you've been with Lisa from the beginning. I would love to see what you think about like the direction of the collectives and where it's going and how you've seen it grow and what you think about it. That is a great question. So I want to first talk about how I met Lisa Adams at um, a commercial uh -oh. establishment. It was a commercial establishment. It was a restaurant that has fantastic uh, drinks, by the way. The Conch. Uh, the Conch. Hey, which, that's where I met you too. Yeah. There, there's a lot of business Notice getting done at the, at the Conch. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I, I knew of you and, and I think your group might've already started technically. And I was told that you'd be a good person to get to know that, you know, everyone in the world or, or whatnot. I, I really didn't know much about you. And, you know, long story short, at the last minute, you're like, well, hey, I'm here. Why don't you just like show up? And and so, um, and this is kind of the beginning of what I got used to over over the years. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'll just I'll just stop on by the the conch. Um, we had we clicked we clicked immediately, and I mean, it was like old friends from the from the beginning. I I really loved fundamentally like who she was as a person, and the thing. And I've told this story before, but not everyone you know has heard this. What I loved about what she said in terms of her mission for the collective and what she was doing is she's like, you know, when you're at a concert and everyone's all looking up front at the stage and the spotlight is is on, you know, the artist or the band. She's like, what I want to do is I want to turn that spotlight around 
on the people. And at that point, that was when I was sold, both as a friend and as somebody that was, you know, helping with the collective. It really was about helping businesses and individuals to shine, you know, versus it being any one person that might be an admin or a moderator, you know, in the collective. And so we closed the place down. I think we made them stay open even longer than they, you know, <laughs> wanted to. And, um, and I just, I mean, I, I was really excited and, and we started to build numbers and, and have all kinds of uh, events and, and doing charity work together. And I, I mean, the numbers, I don't even, I don't even know what you guys are at right now. I don't know if you know what the number is collectively among all the different, um, it's about 50,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 50,000. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, like when you think about the scrappiness of where of where it started, and, and, and you know, it's it's really insane. But the reason why it works, it goes back to that very conversation that we had in the conch. Is unlike other groups that hey, it's it's a Merchant Monday, or you know, they're they're making people fit into this box where they're on one thread. All the businesses are fighting to try to talk about what they have to offer. When you're in these collective groups you can just post essentially whenever, as long as you're not a, a, a crazy person about it and, and, and obnoxious about it. I mean, cause a that- troll, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Which be I mean, it, it, that doesn't help your business when you're the annoying person right. and, and, and you're just kind of pushing your junk in every single one of the groups and pushing every single day. junk. <laughs> Gross Mercedes. <laughs> That is that is funny, but but I, <laughs> that's obviously not what I meant. That's not where. That's not what I was thinking, and and I probably shouldn't have said junk. Pushing your business, pushing your services and your and your products, um, but. Uh, but for people to, for these small businesses to be able to have an audience that it's not just the numbers, but it's a highly engaged group. When you look at the number of, and I'm a numbers person, just like, just like Lisa is even more so because I like spreadsheets and she doesn't like <laughs> spreadsheets. She likes so to organize her numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as, as any, as any person in their right mind would, uh, you know, we're not in the right mind, Lisa. Why, why wouldn't you want to organize the numbers and have things reconcile? Um, but, but early on, I mean, we would look at the numbers and not just like, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I mean, because we're, we're both competitive in nature, we would look at some of these other groups that, that, you know, maybe started and, and we're there longer, but you would see that even maybe with half the number of members that there was more engagement though, mm. there were, there were more posts that were going on and more sharing. And so that's the thing. It's, it's not just about the numbers. It's about the quality of the group. It's about people pushing their, their goods and, their, <laughs> and, their, and, their, and, and, and peddling their stuff, but, but learning how their to, wares. But, but, but learning how to do it right. Cause that's the other thing is, is as a community, people would, I, I've seen this, people would help those that maybe aren't approaching it the right way and in, in how they're presenting their business. Oh, and, and we miss Mercedes. <laughs> we do. Oh, Mercedes, we love you. I, I'm, I mean, I'm always there. I'm always. Mercedes really was a pivotal part in creating the charity aspect. So, so I had already started happy hours for charity. We, I think you were at the laws event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you really kind of refined it into didn't you come up with the sponsorships? Yeah, yeah, we worked on that, and then you know, having the 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 big check to be able to show the numbers, <laughs> oh. and um, uh, but I mean, it was a team effort, and that's the thing. I mean, it, like you're really smart about the people and I'm not just saying this because I was one of them but you're very <laughs> you're very smart about the people that you bring in that they am I they, <laughs> okay usually usually you're very smart about the people that you bring in that there's something that they're bringing to the table that um, it's more than what they can get out of it but what they can give and their talents to be able to help support the small businesses and the charities and and um, and each person that came in I mean I see this with Alina um, by the way, you know, like with me not doing the spreadsheets, you know, you've got someone. That- I don't do spreadsheets. <laughs> I try. It's not fun. She's not my. She's not your spreadsheet replacement. Nope. 
Definitely not. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm disappointed to find that out. Somehow, somehow she's somehow she's organized though. I, I don't know it's how not you're the doing spreadsheets, this. but I can handle Lisa's organ. I don't. I don't know how you're doing it without a spreadsheet. My mind can't even wrap around that. But you're very you're very organized and and um, and. Uh, also, like there's there's all different jobs. I mean, there needs to be uh, a handler, let's just say, for, for Lisa that that um, knows how to help her channel all of her t- talents and, and let her be the best that she can be. Well, um, Lisa has a and- lot of good ideas. <laughs> And some not so good ideas. <laughs> what? Which one was not a good idea? Yeah, I mean, some sometimes the late night conversations uh, were just hilarious. We, we about, did oh, you start up Soko after dark. Loco Soko, Loco after, Soko dark. after dark, and that was usually yeah. How did that a go? bad idea? Usually. usually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the there's the Facebook lives when you're in that moment and feeling it that you've done that are just very inappropriate. I wasn't going to say it, but but you added you added flavor and realness that you certainly don't see in these other groups. Right. Uh, like right. I, I think there's a lot of times people are into these groups because they're looking for a, a train wreck, right? Like it could be that that there's the people that are posting about that idiot that parked, you know, in the handicap <laughs> spot or whatever, and like she adds just a little bit of that train wreck in the recipe, you know, where where Lisa's going live and you have no idea what she's gonna say, and you're just sitting there with popcorn, like, oh. <laughs> What's gonna What's gonna happen here? See, that's the difference. I am the train wreck, <laughs> but it works. We it works. It it's part of It's part of the secret sauce. But it all comes from a good place. I mean, she and literally is in the moment. Like wanting, it's very good intentions. Right. Yeah. Wanting to help that business right. at. Wanting to help that bar that she had a few drinks at, and, and wanting to, like shout it out to the world of how good this drink was or whatever. I mean, but she, it it always comes from such a good, genuine place, and, that's and the it truth works about all of us. Yeah, like all of us, and that that's why sometimes we we're surrounded with each other all the time mm-hmm. and the the energy is so good and it just feels right and you can just be your authentic self mm-hmm. so whenever that isn't the case then you really feel it yeah it's like a blue crayon in a red crayon <laughs> world <laughs> Here, here's here's the thing that i that i want to say you know because i was joking around about the train wreck thing and because we're really good friends we could joke around about that but i've learned so much in being lisa's friend mm-hmm. i mean i am somebody that generally wants to have all the i's dotted and the t's crossed before i even do anything and she's been such a good influence on me because i've seen where you have somebody that just wakes up one day and decides they want to do something and doesn't have all those pieces together that still jumps in and does it. And she's moving forward. Like she is is able to accomplish all this mm-hmm. stuff and really do amazing things because she just jumps. She figures it out later how she's actually going to do it, but she does it. And then I look at someone like myself that's more of somebody that wants to have everything perfect. And it's, it's uh, what is it, paralysis by analysis mm-hmm. where I'm not taking as many risks. I'm not doing as many things because I'm waiting for everything to be perfect. And so I've learned so much, Lisa, and, and just watching what you've done where you just decide you're going to do something and you're like, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a good time to announce we're starting the Frederick <laughs> County, Maryland. Um, this happened the other day. Surprise. So Frederick County, Maryland's <laughs> happening. The social collective. Social collective. So County. we have a powerhouse trifecta Ooh. that's going to be running that. And Vicky with BCT Bank is one of them. Oh, fun. So we have a real amazing, strong team. They are super excited and ready to roll. And believe me, I gave them the warning. I gave them the warning. <laughs> this is not This is not easy. It's going to be horrible. It's going to take all your time. You're going to have to be obsessed with this. I'm going to be a nightmare. And But, <laughs> but once it gets started, it's going to be great. Yeah. And they yeah. think she's exaggerating. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's going to be fine. <laughs> But this is how we weed out the people that really that really care about the mission and those that were looking for the quick fix. That's right. So I yeah. will say you two are the most opposite people I've ever met, <laughs> like in terms of how you do things and like your nature. But you guys have so many similarities and a lot of things and I could see why you guys are best friends. And I was so excited to meet both of you and get involved because I felt like I was like the balance between you two. Yeah. Because I'm not organized and I'm not like Lisa either. <laughs> Whatever that is. But right? <laughs> I do. It was a blessing to, you know, sort of be 
part of that. And I mean, I remember when the escape room was for sale and Lisa was like, well, you have to talk to Mercedes. And I called and we talked for hours about our kids and Chick-fil-A and nothing you, that we should have. are legit, like our best friend. Yeah. And, and you guys are mine, but I love you guys. It's been seriously amazing. This group of friends that we've developed mm. is so amazing because we are so different, mm -hmm. completely different. All of us sitting here, you know, Aaron as well, like yeah. very different. Like we're all so different, but we fit mm -hmm. and it just makes sense. So it's It really awesome. does. It's crazy. I love it so much. Yeah, right? I've, I've learned so much. I, I mean, I, I, th that's the thing. If, if you just go into these groups and, and looking to peddle your stuff, you're missing out on so much mm -hmm. because really spending time with, I mean, not just, not just this group mm -hmm. here, but when you really spend time with other business owners and, and getting to understand what they have going on and how they approach things, everybody has something that they can teach mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the thing that I've learned. And there's a humbleness that's come from that where, you know, you come in thinking that you know more than you really do. Mm -hmm. And then when you are actually quiet, and, and listen to somebody. You're like, mm -hmm. wow. Uh, it's, it's hard sometimes in networking, for me anyway, because, you know, I do have social anxiety. So I prefer, which is a weird thing, a thousand people over three, mm -hmm. unless I'm friends with you. Because a thousand people, I'm not holding that conversation and I'm not doing much. Right. I'm just there, right? But three people then becomes the conversation skills where you want to listen. You really want to listen to that other person. And sometimes if they're not open, then you actually have to kind of have good mm. questions or comments to kind of get that conversation. You know, how do you get that great information from these people that right. they, they have it to offer? We all do. But how do you get it out? Well, you're very skilled at that. Am I? Mm -hmm. You oh. definitely are a journalist at heart and oh. because you care about people so much, you're good at being sincere and asking the questions that can get them to open up and make oh, them think you happy. can help them. And that's a quality. That's why people relate to you so much. But I mean, and I feel like that's what we, that's something that's hard to do in networking because mm -hmm. we're always so busy. We have two hours. We got to get it done. You got to speed network. You got to get through all these tables. It's really hard mm -hmm. to have that time. Right? It is. Yeah. And that's the mistake. You go to these events and, and your goal is to give out X amount of business cards. If that's what you're doing, you've got it all wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Literally. Yeah. I mean, there's very few guys, there's very few business cards that we actually look at later. I don't look at yeah. any of them, right? <laughs> to be quite honest. I, I, I pretty much end up no. pitching most of mine that mm -hmm. I receive. I, I mean, I hate to admit that, this. but. Yeah. As we've said multiple times on the show, it's about the relationships. Yeah. It really comes down to the community and not just posting because mm -hmm. that's, I made a post about it the other day. You know, you're not really having a conversation with your audience. You're just kind of posting at your audience. Mm -hmm. And that's not the point, especially within the collective. Mm -hmm. You see the most, the ones who are profiting, the ones who are raising themselves up. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones who are engaging with their community. Yeah. They're commenting in the posts. Mm -hmm. They're getting out there and meeting people, networking, and making relationships and friends. If you're just posting. It's kind of a waste of time. It is a waste of time because you're not really engaging. That is one of the many reasons why Jenny is so, she's doing so well is because the community has her back. That started from the ground up. That that. That didn't just happen overnight. It was a building of, okay, making relationships within the community. And now it's grown to be something that's much bigger than they ever could have thought it would mm -hmm. be. And, and the, you know what's so beautiful about it is it is each and every – I know this is just – everything I say sounds so cliche to me. <laughs> but it is each and every one of us. Mm. So it, the collective is Alina. It's Mercedes. It's Aaron. It's me. It's Jenny. It's everybody. That is a part of it. Even the people who don't participate, even the people who don't who are just watching, because those numbers help us to get bigger sponsors to support these charities. A lot of the sponsors want to know how many people are in your group. Every single person in that collective is impacting something for good, even right. if they don't participate. I mean, isn't that amazing? It is. And can we just say that more than 99% of our sponsors always come back and sponsor at a higher level, do whatever they can, donate door prizes, 
I mean, we just finished a charity event or working on another one and the support has been unreal. Like, I know, I know. It, it's unbelievable to see how much people are willing to support our community. And that's the thing. I mean, of course they, they do it to do the right thing and, and their heart is pulling them. But I think the reason why they're coming back too, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, th- these are business owners, is they're seeing the indirect mm-hmm. benefit of having that engagement and, have, and building those relationships with the community that it is amazing when you give how things come back twofold. Mm-hmm. And and then kind of going back to the serial posters that everything is me, 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 they're just throwing stuff out there hoping that something mm-hmm. is going to stick. But instead, if you're having a conversation, you know, like I'm having a conversation with Aaron, and I'm asking asking open-ended questions, then I'm learning maybe what your problems are, where maybe I have a solution that I could provide. But if I'm doing all the talking, I don't know that one specific thing that that you have a problem with that maybe myself or somebody else can, can fix for you. I think it's also important. Some of the best engagement that I've gotten in the collective has been just being authentic, mm-hmm. like just being yourself. Mm-hmm. Because and one of the things I learned when I came to Loudoun County was, and like I said, you know, I grew up military. We moved every two years. I got pregnant in high school, got married, joined the Marine Corps. I There was never any time for like drama or friends or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was all very, very moving forward. So when I came to Loudoun County, this is all new to me. You know, one of the things that I thought about Loudoun County was, oh, it's like really rich and really snobby and really blah, 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 which is just not true. I don't know, maybe people have money. From what I've heard, people <laughs> pretend to have money. But, <laughs> but Anything's I mean, obviously some people have money, they're donating it. But um, anyway, I don't know what I was talking about. Mercedes, what was I talking about? Are you, you're going to put me on the spot here. <laughs> I, I don't know where you were going. I was just like I listening. I was that. part of the journey wherever um, it was. But I guess but what I'm trying to say. You've seen the authenticity of people. Oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. Okay, so... What I did learn very quickly, thank you, You're Alina, welcome. for paying attention. You. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> told you the middle. <laughs> um, what I did learn right away was my expectation of people in Loudoun County was wrong, and mm-hmm. we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody's the same. We all have kids that are screwed up. We all have kids that are great. Yeah. We all don't have kids, do have kids. We're all struggling. We're all mm-hmm. the same, right. pretty much. And so it doesn't matter how intelligent you are, what your academic profile is, or how much money you make. We're all right. the same. So I feel very comfortable being myself in front of nineteen to 50,000 mm-hmm. strangers in many cases. And what I've seen from that is that people like it. Mm-hmm. You know, most people that are liking it, and even if they don't like it on there, they'll private message me. Mm-hmm. People want you to be yourself. Mm -hmm. They want to see who you are, not who you're pretending to be. And I understand that not all of us can get on there and talk about our kid having depression or we're not comfortable with that, or our child wouldn't be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. In my case, my child is very comfortable with that. That's a conversation we had. But I do think that however you can present yourself in a very authentic way is going to help you a hundred times more than posting a Canva post uh, in a hundred different groups. I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah. And, and, and I will, I will say too, I genuinely love your posts that you, that you make where you show vulnerability mm-hmm. your, yourself, your marriage, uh, you know, what's going on, you know, with, with the kids kind of thing. Um, and, and, and I know maybe it gets you in trouble sometimes, whatever, but like, <laughs> but, but here's the thing is, is I, I mean, I, I think people have had enough of the Kardashian type mm-hmm stuff. I would hope so. I mean, where everything's picture perfect and things aren't even real and things are cropped and photoshopped or whatever. Life is messy. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And there's these people. And that's the other interesting thing is you get to know people that when you see them maybe online, they seem like they've got it all together. They seem like they have everything that you want and they're so perfect and they seem so successful and they've got these amazing pictures of their family with the dog and everything just seems perfect, (laughs) right? But but then as you get to know people, you realize, wow, they have the same struggles that I have. Things aren't so perfect. Mm-hmm. I've come to believe that the people that seem the most perfect are, are the, the most struggling, are the most, the most yeah. messed up. Think you know? about it. It's always that couple up the street that was just the most beautiful couple, and they all ran marathons, and their <laughs> kids were perfect, and they always were hosting the best events with the best appetizers, <laughs> and they get divorced. 
And yeah. you're like, what the heck happened? Right. I had like, no we idea thought there everything was, was great. Yeah. I'm not, I'm just saying, like, you know, here, David and I are out there. He's squealing out the neighborhood because we just had a fight. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's okay to fight. It's okay. We're supposed to express emotion. We're just human. And you I, mean like the post your husband made the other day? That, <laughs> that's what I was talking about before. That was hilarious. Okay. The responses were funny because so then there were some good. people that because they're they're they're, they're <laughs> they so used to providing like the the legit help. They're yes. they're giving Divorce like lawyers. well here's the here's here's my referral <laughs> just in case he's serious. An attorney. Um, uh, I was dying like yeah. twice for help, David. Oh my gosh. Oh my okay. Gosh. So that was all because David makes all my appointments. <laughs> David is my secretary. And so um, he makes all my appointments. One heck of and, a job. Yeah. <laughs> and I very rarely make those appointments. And so he refused to make my last doctor's appointment because I never go. Because you're an adult. And- <laughs> No. No, because she wouldn't show up. I wouldn't go. And so he's like, he made me swear to God I was going to go. Oh, I didn't swear to God, but I did swear. And I lied. (laughs) (laughs) We were at lunch. I was at Silver Diner. You forgot about it. I was. was No, she remembered. (laughs) I was at Silver Diner with Leslini. Leslini. (laughs) And Nancy. And Nancy. And I knew because he called me every 15 minutes for like four hours telling me I had this appointment. And then I lied and I said that I couldn't go because Nancy fell. Oh, <laughs> what? my God. And then David came to Silver Diner. So then we're in oh our oh, We're in the corner. He knows where to find us. That's So we're in the corner. The corner where we have, they call it our office. And it has like the big glass. And all of a sudden I look over and there's David. Oops. And I went, oh. I was like so scared. <laughs> Those lies always catch up, don't they? <laughs> but he knew I was lying. And so it wasn't really a lie. But um and so then Nancy's pretending to fall and it was funny. So I got in trouble. <laughs> oh, my. oh my Oh my goodness. So all of you be glad you're not married to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that post was not real. It was a joke. It was a joke. But I knew when he posted it that I wasn't really in trouble. Right. Because yeah, that was so good. I was worried, but then so when I good. saw his post, I was like, "Oh, I'm not in too much trouble." He's he has a humor jokes. about it. <laughs> it's the anonymous post, so you got to watch out. I know. For it. Like, they, they don't they don't come right out and use their name when right. they're serious or about it. Or tag them. But when you see an anonymous post that describes a situation a little bit too close to home, that's when you have to worry. You're like, that's a good point. Oh my god. Um. Anyway, so. What are some let's let's circle back. <laughs> okay, we're circling. And grab that low-hanging fruit. Okay. Okay. So, what are a couple of tips that you can give to people who are currently ready to level up? Anything about the market that's going on? Is it yeah. difficult? What's happening? Okay. So, I mean, I could definitely give a lot of tips. And by the way, anyone that maybe they're not ready, but they want to have more of a deeper conversation with me about the kind of stuff that they can do to prepare, I'm always happy to have that conversation. It doesn't mean where, you know, there has to be an active deal in hand because I want them to be ready when the time comes for them to be, you know, ready. So, I guess. It's hard because we're talking about all different kinds of businesses, all kinds of assets where- they need to have a business um, plan written. I mean, I highly suggest that. It's not something to be discounted. um, I didn't have one. She just made me write one. (laughs) (laughs) But but here's the thing. Like if you're an existing business and you're already hitting numbers, so the landlords will forgive you and and say, hey, okay, just show your financials. But if you're a startup business and- they don't know anything about you. Like, how are you going to be successful with this dog food business? You know, whatever it is, it might be. Um, how do you? How are you going to differentiate yourself from your uh, competitors? How much money do you have? What are your projections? Uh, what kind of funding do you have? Is it an SBA loan? Do you have a, a pile of money that you inherited in the bank kind of thing? I mean, they want to see that. So if you aren't already hitting numbers with maybe doing this already as a home-based mm-hmm. business, you need to be able to tell the story of where you started and where you're going. And a business plan is supposed to be a living, breathing document that is beneficial beyond just this part where maybe you're going to use it to get in with a landlord, or it also could be used to actually secure your loan if you're getting a business loan. But this is the thing that you can actually continue to use, believe it or not, to stay on track with your targets and make your business a little bit more successful 
I'd get the finances in order for sure. I'd also be really careful about who you partner with because I've seen, mm. I have seen, <laughs> okay, so there's a look that shot across. Um, I, I've seen. Somebody I've, warned me. I've, I have seen carnage on that where, um, you know, you might be enticed because you've got somebody that, that has, you know, maybe some money that they're bringing to the table, but everything always comes with a price. That's something that you have to remember and you could lose control over your business. There was a wonderful client of mine, um, and I can't give specifics uh, um, too much, but she had built a business that was super successful and was ready to open up more locations. And long story short, this friend, I mean, they were close friends. Their kids were friends, the whole nine yards. They came into the picture and they were going to inject money in there and they hijacked the business because there was two of them versus one of her. They were, you know, awful to the employees. They were terrible to deal with. They were making bad decisions and things got really, really nasty at the end. always changes things. To the point that she was ready to close shop. I'm like, no, no, don't do that. You know, you, you built this business, you know, don't let them, you know, don't let them do this. And thankfully she survived that experience, but be careful on that because everything always comes with a price. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to have conversations with people to help we recommend them. Mercedes Taylor with Coldwell Banker Commercial Elite. Ooh, good job, Lisa. Ah, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, seriously, She's though, the best of the Mercedes best. is the best. Every single time I talk to Mercedes, it and we get on to commercial real estate, I'm always blown away. And, you know, she makes it relatable. I get it. She's explaining things to me. It makes sense by the time she's done. And I always say to her almost every single time, we should have videotaped that. Yeah, you've said that. Thank you. I, I yeah. appreciate that. It always feels nice when someone's like, you've got something so worthwhile to say. It's only a shame that we didn't why did we go lying? You can see why I'm friends with her. She makes me feel really good about myself. So unfortunately, we are um, running late for a lunch date, so we need to wrap it up. But let's pop over to the Kids Collective from the vendor event at the Dallas Town Center Mall, and we will let you listen to one of their podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Social Collective's Kid Vendor Event here at the Dulles Town Center Mall. I'm here with Izzy with Possibilities. Thank you for being here, Izzy. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your business? Um, My business is Possibilities, and I make dog treats and other dog-related things. Oh, my gosh. So exactly what other dog-related things do you make? Um, I have these little treat containers, and then I also made some bags that have, like, dogs on them, so. Oh, my gosh, I saw somebody with one of your bags. So, it's a canvas bag, and I think it had a pink poodle on it or something like that. That was really cute. Yeah. So, what inspired you to start your business? Um, I really want a dog. I don't currently have a dog, so the whole thing, the original idea was to do dog sitting, but we ended up just doing dog treats. And finally, my parents did actually say yes to getting a dog. Oh my gosh. So you do have a dog? Not right now, but we're going to look for one. Oh, what kind of dog do you want? Uh, we were talking about a beagle, but I did find another breed that I do like better, but I don't really know how to pronounce the name. Okay. So it's possibilities. Yes. Okay. So with the baking of the dog treats, what are some of the different flavors that you have? Uh, there's three of them downstairs right now. There's a peanut butter pumpkin and then an apple carrot one, and then these peanut butter oatmeal balls of, like, treats for them. So can we eat those? Are those— My mom did try one. She said they were pretty good. They yeah, it sounds like really good. One. It's on theme with, the, with fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you package those? Are those packaged, like, super cute? I would say they are. My mom did help package them, but they're in mostly just clear bags. And then the balls are in tiny cupcake front liners. Aww. Well, what is your favorite thing about being a young entrepreneur? Uh, it's, you really get to choose what you want to do and there's not too many guidelines about it. So you have a lot of freedom. I like it. So you have some control. Mm -hmm. You're in charge of everything. Yeah. And you're the creative director. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. So we're back and I'm not sure if we want to go over events. Leslie usually does that. She's not here. We have a bunch of them. So if I were you and I was interested in learning about our events, I would go to our website. What's our website? www.thesocialcollectives.org is our website. Um, do you want to quickly talk about Bubbles and Bling? 
Yeah, go if ahead. anyone wants to sponsor, yeah, you go. Okay, ahead. so <laughs> no you, no you, no you, you, you do it. No, this you. is another thing. Like, okay, back to you. Okay, so we have two sponsorship levels. We have the Bling sponsorship level, which is business exclusive. If you are out there and you want to get your name out to a really amazing group of people, you want to sign up for Bling. It's twenty five hundred. And there's a ton of stuff that goes with it, so including being on this podcast. So go ahead and um, look at our website, and you will see the link where you can sign up for that. We have another level, which is 500. That's Bubbles. And you get a bunch of stuff with that as well. You get two tickets to the event. The tickets are $100 a piece, so you're kind of just donating $300 for a bunch of advertising. Mm-hmm. Everybody at this event will be in a drawing for a half-carat diamond. From? It is a half carat diamond from Hunt Country Jewelers. <laughs> it is donated by Carolyn Cutshaw. Mm-hmm. And so we are super duper excited about that. And when we called Hunt Country and said, hey, would you guys, I, it was kind of like, we were at the Silver Diner, I think. Mm-hmm. And Leslie, <laughs> we're there a lot. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let's see if somebody would donate a diamond. So I just reached out and she immediately said yes. So it was, um, you know, a home run and somebody's going to go home on May the 4th with a half carat diamond and they can put it into a ring, which I'm sure Hunt Country would be happy to do, or a necklace, or maybe even cut it up into two earrings or, you know, earrings. Anyway, so we're going to have champagne. We're going to have some amazing speakers and it's all to benefit Spark, which is Specially Adapted Resource Club. Our good friend Debbie Alexander introduced us to this. They are going to be coming to Loudoun County, which is super exciting. They have many locations, and Loudoun County is just the next. We are really happy to be partnering with them. And you can find out more about that on the website. Socialcollectives.org. All right. So thank you so much for being here, my beautiful friend, Mercedes. Thank you. Thank you for sitting in with us, our podcast guru. (laughs) And obviously our beautiful friend, Alina. Thank you for being here, Lisa. We couldn't do this without you. (laughs) Um, All right. So, so go out. So go out. So go out. So go out.